Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here on a Tuesday, officially day one of the NBA offseason is here. We spoke about this a little bit yesterday when Justin Garcia was on the podcast. We've got a number of things to get through on today's show. Uh, first of all, we're going to look at some of the numbers from the NBA Finals that might make Bucks fans a little bit sick. I tweeted out some of these numbers here, but we're going to dive into that and what it means for Milwaukee. We've got a listener question about Paul Millsap, which I will touch on. And then at the end, Danilo Gallinari. Interesting comments coming from his camp, reported from his camp. So we'll touch on that a little bit later on as well. I should say, if you did miss yesterday's episode, make sure to go back and check that one out with Justin. We did talk about the Jimmy Butler and Chris Milton comparison and basically the questions or the resurfacing of a potential Chris Middleton, Jimmy Butler trade from back in October 2018, prior to the 2018-19 season. What it all means and whether or not a lot of people have become prisoners of the moment when it, when it, in regards to Jimmy Butler. Let me spit that out. So I am obviously running solo today, as you may have noticed, which is fine, which is fine. I'm, I'm getting used to doing these solo pods. It's no big deal. But I was just pouring through some of the numbers from the NBA Finals yesterday, and clearly a guy that stands out to me was Jay Crowder. Now, we know that this guy absolutely killed the Bucks in the second round series, and, and this conversation really came about because you guys will know, or listeners, regular listeners to the show will know, Frank, Madden, and myself uh, often uh, reference a, a group message that we've got going on, that Frank's in there, Eric Name's in there, Dean Maniart. Uh, Mitchell Maurer as well. And one of the questions I posed to the group uh, yesterday was basically the fact that I, I was kind of impressed and a little bit shocked that Miami were able to take the NBA Finals to six games, given the fact that Goran Dragic uh, basically didn't play. I mean, obviously he came back for game six, but he clearly wasn't even close to 100%. Only played the first half in game one. And the question I asked was, do you think the Bucs would have beaten Miami if Goran Dragic was injured? Now, I, I know that, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter, but I was just trying to wrap my head around the fact that the NBA Finals still went to six games. I think it's a remarkable achievement from, from Miami, from Eric Spolstra, clearly Jimmy Butler standing up as well. But Goran Dragic was such a killer in that Milwaukee series. They really had no answer to him, particularly in the pick and roll uh, scenarios. He he just completely destroyed the Bucks. And some of the sentiment I got back from the from the fellows was basically, yeah, but the Bucks three point defense they wouldn't have done anything different anyway. Spolster is a smart coach; he would have been able to figure them out. And I, I thought it was quite interesting because one of the things that still pains I think Bucks fans, similar to Fred Van Vliet back in last year's postseason, is Jay Crowder and the way he shot the ball. So here's the numbers on Crowder from this season in the regular season. He was 34% from three, 
on 6.1 three-point attempts per game. In the first round against Indiana, he was 33% on six attempts per game. In the Eastern Conference Finals, that dropped all the way back down to 25% on 7.8 three-point attempts per game. And in the finals, he was 33% on 6.5 attempts. Against Milwaukee, yep, you guessed it, 43% on 10.2 three-point attempts per game. The guy has shot like he's never shot before in his life. He was completely out of his mind. The number that stands out to me, though, when I looked a little bit deeper into these shots was on the regular season, he averaged only 1.9 wide-open attempts per game. Shot 36% on those. Uh, Even in the NBA Finals, just 36% on wide-open attempts, 3.2 per game. He got up 5.2 wide-open attempts per game against the Bucs, and he shot 46% on those. So this is clearly a a trend that we know with the Bucs. We know they give up threes. We know they are uh, rather selective with who they want shooting those open threes. Again, I think this was part of the challenge of defending Goran Dragic. He was creating so many problems with the ball in hand. Jimmy Butler as well, Bam Adebayo is a force that Crowder was a guy that the Bucks sat back and said, listen, do you want to shoot wide open threes? We're totally fine with you doing that. And he consistently burnt them. And if you look at the numbers across the entire playoffs, the Bucks opponents shot 38.5% on above the break three-pointers across the, the two rounds that the Bucks were alive. The only teams worse than that Uh, were Utah, Indiana, and Brooklyn. All three of those teams were out in the first round. The next team below Milwaukee was Orlando, and then Dallas, and those two teams knocked out in the first round as well. So the numbers that the the opposition, and including Orlando, who shot pretty well, particularly uh, Vucevic, as we remember, the numbers for the Bucs in terms of their three-point shooting against them uh, just weren't pretty. And, And this has been a source of frustration. There's no doubt about that for Milwaukee Bucks fans right throughout the season. I think that's why Frank and myself and Justin and Mitchell have spent so much time on this podcast the last few weeks discussing the defense and the Bucks' really lack of creativity, I guess. Defensively, they certainly stuck to what worked with them throughout the season. Part of the problem was the opposition shot 59.9% in the restricted area against the Bucks. That was well up on the regular season mark, which was around 52 53%. So the combination of both certainly came back to hurt the Bucs. But Jay Crowder, way too many wide-open attempts. Part of that is the defensive scheme. Part of that is a lack of want or lack of desire to switch from Bud. He didn't want to do anything different defensively. They stayed with the same scheme. Jay Crowder took the shots that were open to him and knocked them down. But there's no doubt about that when you look at those numbers. Basically, hovered around 33% from three on the season through each playoff round, and he jumped up to 43% against the Bucs. Uh, it, it's salt in the wound. There's no doubt about that. And, and when you think about what happened the year before with Van Fleet, there's no doubt about that. He went crazy. Kyle Lowry had some big games as well. That's why it's a tough pill to swallow if you're a Bucks fan moving forward, and that's why uh, you would be desperate to see some changes, particularly on the defensive end, despite the fact that for the last two years in the regular season, the Bucs have been the premier defensive team in the NBA. When it's come down to it in the playoffs, that has been exposed. And there's two years in a row, the role players have really hurt the Bucs. So uh, just just interesting to see how all this played out for Miami moving forward. I, I do have a lot of respect for them, no doubt, for the fact that they could still push the NBA Finals to six games. But that hurts. There's no doubt that hurts. We are going to jump into 
the Paul Millsap and Danilo Gallinari conversation now. Uh, before we do, let me talk about our friends over at rockauto.com. As you know, this is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet, whether it's for your classic or your daily driver. Get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all those parts. All you have to do is write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. That's locked on in their how did you hear about us box and they will know you came from us. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. And of course, while you're surfing uh, rockauto.com, you may as well go check out uh, our products with Built Go. We know how great Built Bar has been, but Built Go, let me tell you, is just just as good. Uh, I've mentioned this before, but they send a package, made it across the Pacific. I got to try out some Built Go. It's a little package, a little a little burst of energy because whether it's mental or physical wall, you got to break through it. And you can break through it with Go every single day. It's easy to take in 1.5-ounce packages, Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for the body. I can tell you, last time I took it prior to podcast, in podcast, drove half an hour to where I wanted to run, went for a run. I was still full of energy. I was feeling great. There's three delicious flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. The offer we have for you is pretty damn good. Visit builtgo.com. And use promo code LOCKED, that's L-O-C-K-E-D, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. All right, let's now talk about Paul Millsap. Now, this was a listener question that came uh, to my DMs on Twitter. So I always mention uh, you can go... Uh, at Locked On Bucks and, and comment publicly. You can go lockedonbucks at gmail.com and get your questions through there, which we will hit when Frank's on the pod. He's got access to the email. Or you can get me personally on Twitter, either with a comment or, or jump in the DMs and, and ask me whatever you want. That's what Jake has done uh, here at Kane Pittman for me, K A N E P I T M A N. You know, if you follow me, it's, uh, I apologize. There's some bad content that goes up there, but I appreciate it all the same. So the question from Jake is regarding Paul Millsap, who is an unrestricted free agent or about to become an unrestricted free agent. So Millsap, as Jake uh, quite rightly points out, does have a connection with Mike Budenholzer played in that 60-win Atlanta Hawks team under Bud. And Jake wonders whether he could be an option off the bench. Uh, we spoke about it a lot. The Bucks are going to have to get minimum guys. They're going to have to get veteran guys, most likely, that they can add to the bench. Millsap certainly... You know, given the fact that the Bucks have lost Marvin Williams, which I don't think we were expecting, Millsap does fit the bill of a veteran player that you could bring off the bench and, and probably get some quality minutes out of. I, I would have some concern, the fact that Paul Millsap is already 35 now and he, he's been trending down. There's no doubt about that. He just finished up a big-time deal with the Denver Nuggets on around $20 million per year for the last three years. Only averaged eight points per game 
in the postseason and really struggled. He had that huge game against the Clippers that actually virtually saved the Denver Nuggets season, which is kind of crazy to think about. But overall, in the 19 playoff games, he did start them all. Only played 24 minutes per game, 39% from the field, 34% from three, and eight points per game overall. He really struggled to hit anything at times, and it, it was a little bit tough to watch, uh, but just because knowing how, how good a player Paul Millsap's been. He's been underrated throughout his entire career. Uh, again, during the regular season, the numbers have dropped. So 2017 was the last time he was an all-star. His last season in Atlanta, he averaged 18 points per game. 18 points and seven rebounds. The next year, 14 and six with Denver, then 12 and five, and then 11 points this year. So look, he's trending down pretty quickly. I don't think he's a guy that would be looking for a major role anywhere. So from that point of view, he could certainly fit. My problem, I guess, with Paul Millsap is, and I would have taken Marvel Williams back 100%. I thought he was versatile defensively. I thought he unlocked some options to play Giannis at the five with Marvin. I, I wish there was more time for that connection to spend time together and work out. And, and you know, because when you think about Marvin Williams, really the pandemic really split up any chemistry that they were going to be able to build. It was just tough. It was tough to, to figure that out. So uh, I was kind of hoping that Marvin would be back as that low-cost guy. I thought he would have certainly been willing to come back and play for the Bucks. And Millsap could play that role, but I think more than anything... When I've watched the postseason this year, I, I think the Bucks are an old team and they've kind of got old really quick and all their key players outside of basically Giannis are old. I mean, obviously Dante DiVincenzo's in the rotation, but most of the other key guys are, are above 30 with Chris Milton certainly nearing that now. So I'm just not sure whether I could get too excited about the addition of Paul Millsap, a guy that is clearly declining, a guy that isn't really that versatile. He can do some stuff defensively, sure. He could probably shoot the odd three, although uh, I would you know, I would be concerned about where that number would continue to rise. But we've seen this when it comes to the postseason. Players that aren't versatile that the Bucs have had on their roster have really struggled to have an impact. Now, uh, Millsap would be just one of a few additions. So I, it's not... It, it's not I wouldn't be upset if the Bucs signed Paul Millsap. It's just not necessarily a player at this point in his career at 35 years old that I'm going to get excited about the Bucs uh, getting. I, I, don't think he, I don't think it's a huge needle mover, uh, but we have spoke about the fact that players like this are going to be the ones that the Bucs are going to have to sign. There might not be the sexy names. There might not be the sexy options that the Bucs are going to be able to uh, attract. So Paul Millsap in lineups next to Giannis, potentially for small periods of time. I think that would work. Obviously, there's a connection there with Bud as well. And, you know, I think for the most part, clearly the way things ended in Atlanta for Mike Budenholzer wasn't ideal. The team was pretty bad. I know, I think he was willing to get out of there. They wanted him to, him to get out of there as well. And he's come back to Milwaukee. So I, I, I don't think there would be any issue with Paul Millsap. I think the relationship with Bud is probably fine. And for that reason, you might have inside track of signing a guy like Millsap to come off the bench. I just think it's a couple of years too late in terms of, of that being an exciting move for the Bucs. But uh, nonetheless, uh, yeah, I mean, Millsap might be a guy that the Bucs would target for uh, having that connection. Clearly, they've done that in the past with, with Kyle Corver was a guy that, that Bud uh, had, a, had a relationship with, George Hill as well, uh, even though that was a trade. Obviously, uh, they had some connection there from Bud's time in San Antonio. So. 
I, I wouldn't rule it out for that reason, Jake, at all. Um, I, I don't think it's it's certainly not the worst option that the Bucks could have uh, this offseason in signing Paul Millsap. Just potentially not one that I'm I'm absolutely thrilled about or, or or really excited about. I don't think it's a big game changer for the Bucks if they sign Paul Millsap at this point in his career. All right, on to the final segment here for today's show. And this is a guy that I am very excited about. I feel like I was a little bit a little bit down on Paul Millsap. He's a good player. I'm not trying to be not trying to be rude to Paul Millsap. I'll get around him if he becomes a buck. But one guy that I would be very, very excited about the possibility of acquiring Danilo Gallinari. Free agent. Spent uh, the last year or so at the Oklahoma City Thunder. Obviously had a pretty successful period with the LA Clippers as well. He's 32 years old right now. Well, we know he's had some injuries in the past, but overall has become a, a pretty reliable player. 62 games this year, which obviously, you know, with the shortened season, his availability was fantastic the year before, 68 games. So uh, despite his age, he's become a pretty reliable player. And, you know, arguably, you could almost make the case that the last two seasons have been just about his best Offensive seasons, 19.8 points and 6.1 rebounds for the Clippers. And for the Thunder, 18.7 points as well. And the three-point shooting numbers are what you should be mostly excited about when it comes to Danilo Gallinari. According to Cleaning the Glass, in 1819, uh, 44% from three, which had him in the 97th percentile, and then 41% from three this season, which put him in the 90th percentile percentile so there's no doubt as far as guys for his position go as far as guys that could potentially be available to play the four and play that that you know that stretch five or the four with the honest playing the small ball five I don't think there's many better options out there than Gallinari now I think in the open market Gallinari would be too expensive for the Bucks to acquire uh, there's there's no doubt about that and that's why I probably didn't think about him all that much, even though he was a guy leading up to the trade deadline where I was like, would the Bucks really want to get crazy here and try and go in on Danilo Gallinari? I think one thing that is interesting to note, and and this is why, you know, I keep coming back to the Brook Lopez thing, but this is why it's interesting. If you keep Brook Lopez, he's going to play significant minutes at the five. Danilo Gallinari last year, again, this is according to Cleaning the Glass, played 98% of his time on the floor at the, at the four. 2% at center. So it's not really something he's done the year before. He played 4% at center. And the years before that, he didn't play any time at all at center. So this is we know that this is a new thing coming into the game. We know that the Bucs haven't really gone extensively with Giannis at the five. I think that's what we all want to see. We want to see one through five where you can switch. The Bucs haven't done that. Gallinari puts you in a position where he could switch out to the perimeter a little bit. There's no doubt about that. So I think that you become more versatile defensively. He's not an elite defender, but he certainly uh, has effort. His effort levels are really there. The only reason this is even worth talking about is because there was an interview on Sportando that came out overnight. Gallinari was asked, is playing for the NBA championship more important than a contract? And he said, yes. At this time, yes. I'm not 20 anymore. So... Clearly, there's a lot of teams out there and a lot of contending teams that got very, very excited about this. Now, could the Bucks offer him a mid-level exception and give him 5 to $6 million? And would that be enough for him to attract Danilo Gallinari? I'm not 100% sure. Again, I always thought that he was going to be in the position to sign a, you know, a JJ Redick deal where he got $20 million 
with the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, that's not that wasn't a true contender, but my fear with Gallinari would be that there would still be a deal like that out there for him. So it does make things interesting in any potential Chris Paul trade, though. If you wanted to connect these two things, Gallinari and Chris Paul clearly would have some sort of relationship from playing together this year, from having success with each other this year in Oklahoma City. So if the Bucs were to dive into any Chris Paul negotiations head first, potentially uh, if you were able to make that trade, then Gallinari may be more likely to want to play with Chris Paul again. You never know. That could be a connection that could possibly be there uh, for the Bucs. But Gallinari, a fantastic player, as I said, been a near-on 20-point-per-game scorer the last two years at over 40% from three. When we talk about shooters, we talk about guys that can do it off the catch and shoot, guys that can do it off the dribble. Gallinari is that. He's a versatile scorer. He's a really tough matchup defensively for teams. And if you put him in lineups with Chris Milton, with Giannis, then uh, the opposition is going to have trouble. He's a legitimate third option. With Chris Milton there as the number two, Gallinari as the three. Giannis, obviously, your number one, and who knows what other trade you can do. But the fact that Gallinari could potentially be a target that you don't have to trade for, and maybe he would just want to come because he believes he can contend in Milwaukee and win a title, I still have a very low on my expectations list of, of this being a guy that the Bucks are actually going to get. I, I'm, not, I'm not getting overly excited about the prospect of this happening because I think Milwaukee ultimately will still be priced out here unless something crazy happens. But if the Bucs could add Danilo Gallinari in the offseason in one of those roster slots that doesn't cost them a huge amount of money and, and they aren't priced out of, Gallinari would be the type of player that legitimately could be a needle mover for Milwaukee and make them a team that can contend for the NBA Finals in 2021. So it's something to think about. It's something, uh, and let me know. Let me know. Again, the listeners, let me know how you feel about this as Gallinari a player that you are excited about potentially the Bucs being able to sign. I have no doubt they'll be in on this. It's just a matter of where Gallinari sees the Bucs. And ultimately, despite the fact he said <laughs> it's not about the money, ultimately it will come down to what other offers he gets in free agency there. But uh, that, that is, I, I know you might be getting the sense that it's hard for me to get a little bit excited about some of these names. Gallinari is absolutely one of those names that I would get excited about. So, I'm going to wrap it up there for today, but we're going to continue to run through uh, names like this. So keep throwing them at me, guys that are out there. Yesterday, I also mentioned Camelo Anthony. By the way, a listener got back to me and said, listen, I never thought I would ever think of Camelo Anthony as a Milwaukee Buck. But hey, right now, I could get around that. So it's interesting. So keep throwing the names at me. Thank you to Jake Reitz for sending Paul Millsap through uh, a legitimate option, a legitimate potential target for the Bucks, Gallinari, uh, as you can tell, one that I'm a little more excited about and I do apologize for bringing up some of the numbers from that Miami Heat series I know that can be a a little bit tough to handle still even hearing that but I really really appreciate uh, you guys continuing to send the content through because it's the off season it's going to be a big few weeks here we'll see what we've got in store for you for the rest of the week but for now I'm going to leave it there make sure you stay safe out there I never really ask you to do this, but uh, subscribe, give us five stars, give us a rating. It really, really helps. It bumps us up in the in the rankings there on uh, all the podcast platforms. So we really appreciate that. But until tomorrow, take care, and I'll speak to you guys then.